Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always with my co-host Dylan Ray. And we have with us special guest and Pope and Young Life member. We have Remy Warren with us. Remy, welcome. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Where where are you these days? Well, I'm actually in uh, Reno, Nevada right now, which is where you guys, I'll probably see you guys next, to be honest. Yes. April. We're, we're invading. Yeah, coming you to know, my hometown. It's nice time. when all my friends come visit me, you know? Okay, yeah, sure, there's a Pope and Young <laughs> convention too, but I like to pretend that they're coming to see me, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's funny because we've been working on on panel invites and uh, everything, and, and it's so interesting because we got folks and, like, we got one guy who is like undertaking an ordeal to get a caribou from Newfoundland down to Reno. And then there, there's even a rumor out there that you may have had some, uh, some animals invited this year. So can you yeah. elaborate on any of those? Well, actually the one right behind me, uh, this, I'm pretty sure this doll sheep, uh, and then, and then a nice caribou I took in Alaska. Um, so yeah, I had, I, you know, I, I had some an elk and uh, 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 woodland caribou that I just forgot to send the score sheets into. So maybe that'll be next time. But uh, yeah, for me, it's not so hard. I can just throw them in the trailer and bring it down myself. You know, I, I think 
organized. I think any animal that you shoot with a mouth tab, you should add 20 inches to. I 100% agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, yeah, have you I'm seen this? Have you seen that. this process? Have you seen this? What he's what he's been doing? A little bit, but it's like you know what? Crazy. Yeah. Why, Remy? So so tell us about this. Well, hey, first of all, um, you've got until the end of the year. If you have any score sheets just sitting around, like I wish I had. Um, you got until the end of December, so you still you still have a couple of weeks oh, to get them in, and they'll make the record book, which will actually date, it will actually debut at Reno at convention. Oh, cool. We will have the first copy of the brand new double edition record book. So yeah, if you got a couple of score sheets sitting around, uh, get them in. And uh, that way they'll they'll hit the book in April. I'll, I'll mail those today. Actually, that's good. Perfect. Excellent. So, so tell us about because because Dylan's been talking about this. So, how did you decide what 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 spurred you to go to the mouth tap? Let let's huh. let people hear that story first. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily by choice, more by force. I. Uh, tore all the tendons in my wrist that allowed for the wrist to move essentially like the controlling portion of it. Um, I had a fairly extensive surgery in Feb the begin first week, first couple of days in February lot this year. And, um, unfortunately there was complications with the surgery and it didn't take, they took out some tendons in my forearm and reran everything. And then the, uh, the, what ended up happening in long story short, the anchor failed. And, um, it wasn't a very easy surgery in the first place. And then we had to redo it. Uh, so it, back in June again, then I had to, um, you know, redo the surgery. I had planned it out where I thought, you know, the six month recovery and I'd be ready by hunting season, uh, or essentially, right. by August. um, but I kind of had in the back of my mind, what happens if I get to the fall hunting season and something, I can't use my hands still. Um, so starting early on, I, I, I learned to shoot with the mouth tab thinking I, I might not need to hunt with it, but I had a couple hunts in the, our springtime, uh, in April, May in, in Hawaii and, uh, New Zealand. And so I, I took the mouth tab on that hunt. And then I'm really glad that I did because I essentially had to use the, the entire season. Um, as a fellow waterfowler, you might appreciate this and you might shake your head at me how I damaged the wrist. I think initially I shot a mallard that was cruising by probably, I don't know, 40 feet up flying 30 miles an hour. And it came right down toward me. And in my head, I said, I'm going to catch that. Oh no. I, you wouldn't. Why would you do that ever? No. Like if, if your buddy was on a roof with a brick why? and he's like, I'm going to chuck this at you, grab it. You wouldn't do it. Right. But it was too tempting. And um, oh, yeah, that oh. uh, that uh, was what originally, I think, damaged it. And then just uh, <clears throat> kind of like that was at one point, I just taped my fingers together. thought, not like just like every guy, like, ah, oh, it'll buff out, right? Like just jam my fingers. Yeah. And then later that year uh, or later, that was in, you know, so the following fall, um, I was shooting my bow a lot and I started to get pain and it just never went away. And then. Um, I was sheep hunting in BC and 
using the trekking pole on a steep hillside and it just gave out and slammed my wrist into the mountain. And that's what dislocated all the bones after the final 10. Uh -oh. And, uh, and then I proceeded to go the entire hunting season, uh, after that guiding and hunting until I could get it fixed because the recovery was so long, I couldn't do it. Right. The season. So, um, so it's been a, like a, almost like a three year thing, two year, well, two year thing, um, essentially, but, in the process, I learned to shoot my bow by using a mouth tab. For those not familiar, it's a piece of fabric. I used a kind of, I made my own piece of fabric on the D loop. You bite down with these molars, you draw back, you line it up, and then you just relax your jaw and let it fly. Um, you know, I didn't know how successful it would be, but uh, through the course of the season, I don't know if there was a tag that I wanted to fill that I didn't fill. Like I, I was really successful with it, a lot of luck, uh, and then just, you know, a lot of being just re relentlessly persistent, I think. Um, and it was, it was actually, sometimes you're making your own luck. What was that? I said, a lot of times you're out there making your own luck. I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, there were those instances where I was like, well, that worked out, but, um, yeah, man. I think the process of it for me was, it was new. It really enlightened me to the struggle that there's a lot of people out there that are, I would consider adaptive archers, right. Um, that have to do this all the time. Fortunately for me, like at the time I didn't know whether it was going to be a permanent or temporary thing with always the hope that it's temporary. Um, and it was temporary. I just started shooting with my hand, uh, two weeks ago. Um, but man, just going through that process was really cool for me. And then, you know, it, it kind of brought me back to learning a new skill and a new way to bow hunt again. It kind of reminded me of hunting with a trad bow, really like the, a lot of the similar techniques and things you're just drawing the bow with your mouth. And I actually did go one hunt with my, uh, recurve because I, I like to do at least one trad bow hunt or no, normally more, but one trad bow in a year. So I did go hunt with the recurve and a mouth tab. I almost got a pronghorn. Um, it was just, a, it was, a, it was a really fun season. It's a season that I'll remember forever. And some of the animals that I took, I think, you know, you can, whatever, I think, I'll, you know, as we've talked about before, you, the, the trophy for me is, is the hunt and the experience. And sometimes I get lucky and, and get something really big, but uh, those animals are ones that are going to hold a high place in, you know, in my memories, because, of the struggle and the challenge that it took to get them and, and the things that I went through to kind of get to that point to be successful. So overall, um, I don't think I've had a better season to be honest in, in many ways. I actually use this as an example, just, just this weekend, somebody asked me what makes a good hunter? Like, what do you define a good hunter as? And I say, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people look at like, man, who's got the biggest animal, like who holds the world record or, or whatever. And, you know, dude, they killed a giant elk two years ago. Yeah, but they've only killed two other elk in their life, you know? So are they a good hunter or did they stumble upon a big animal at one point? And uh, I said, you know, when I think of a good hunter, I think of somebody who just consistently goes out and kills mature animals. And they don't let obstacles stand in their way. They don't let, you know, different terrain stand in their way. They just find a way to kill big animals. And I said, you know, take Remy Warren, for example. He, he literally blew his hand out and had to use a mouth tab but he's still consistently killing big animals. And for me, that's what makes a good hunter. Somebody who just finds a way to consistently kill big animals. So 
kudos to you, man. I, I mean, it was a cool process to kind of watch and, and, and look at, but I, I would hate to have to do it, but, but kudos to you for doing it for sure. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, in some ways I'm just too dumb to quit. And in other ways, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I love bow hunting too much to let an injury sideline me, but going through the process, I think, you know, how many people do you know that have jacked up their shoulder or done something? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a good skill to know how to have, and you can definitely jump in there and learn it fairly easily. Right. I did in high school. One time I, I broke my, my palm, um, the, the whole muscles holding your palm and everything was torn. And so I had a full cast that went up my thumb. And, uh, so I couldn't hold a bow. Like there, it was a, you know, it was a hard cast and, and, uh, yeah. so I couldn't hold a bow, but buddy, it made a great rifle rest. You just hold that up there and then put your rifle right there in the cast. And so I shot That's a couple deer that way. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. I, I don't know. Mouth tab. Whoo. That just sounds, uh, that just sounds dangerous. Jason, so what, you and I have enough but, trouble without a mouth tab, much less with using our mouths. Yeah, I know. Uh, like, <laughs> you know, it's one thing. It's That's like where you get to the point where now he's just showing off. He's like, <laughs> you know what? I'm such a better bow hunter than you guys. You know, I, I, I one-handed, literally one-handed, I'm a better, you know, Remy's a better bow hunter than we are, Dylan. That's just, that's yeah. how much this is. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so yeah. what 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 was that process because i mean there are you talk to people all the time that you know are quote-unquote forced to go to another weapon because of a shoulder issue or or something like that so i mean it, you know mouth tab was that did that just pop in your mind did you just say you know what no i don't want to shoot anything else i'm gonna i'm gonna try this or was that something that you had researched or how did that just pop up yeah, so I was actually very fortunate because I kind of think that the barrier into it, uh, there wasn't a lot of information out there. And it is something I would like to try to at least get more information out there. I have a friend uh, by the name of Nolan Young. He lives here in Reno. And um, he's he has to shoot a mouth tab because he's unable to use his hand. And uh, he's a phenomenal archer. He's a great hunter. And uh, that was really inspiring to me because it's like I've seen it done before. I've done shoots with him in the past. Like I've seen the success that he's had. He, you know, he's a great shot and a good, and, you know, comes back with some phenomenal animals. And, uh, so I have seen it before. And so I reached out to him and he kind of set me up with his technique. And I think just that barrier of like, okay, am I doing this right? Am I getting that first time you drop back? Am I going to rip all the teeth out of my mouth? Am I actually right. went down to the, the hunting house bow shop here in Reno? And, uh, they helped me out a lot because it was like, you know, to have the right equipment. So I actually started on like, uh, I grabbed a Genesis and we just turned it down to like 20 pounds and just built the mechanics of like, okay, it's doable. Right. Instead of just grabbing a 50, 60 pound bow. Um, and then, you know, I had to, I definitely had right. to modify my equipment. I had to shorten my draw length. I had to, uh, decrease the, the draw weight to start, um, you know, and then, and then I, you know, I used, uh, Nolan's, he likes to use a leather tab and I, I did that for a while, but I had a couple of problems where it was ripping. Um, and so I, I ended up on one trip, my, uh, the leather tab ripped and I, I needed to replace it and I didn't have anything else. So I used, I cut a piece off my bino harness, um, a piece of 
like the webbing. And then I just took a little sewing kit and I folded it over um, and made it the way that I liked it. And, and I found that that was really good for my style and the way I just really liked the way that that shot it was a little bit lighter than the leather too. Um, so I think in some ways, you know, it was, you know, you kind of develop your own way of doing things like anything. Right. Um, but I would have never got to, I think it was just a really good benefit to have somebody show me the ropes and, and kind of walk me through the process. Like it was so valuable. Wow. That's well, thank goodness, you know, you knew somebody who, who'd been down that road. So you didn't go over to, you know, some bad weapon or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, uh, I mean, no offense well, anyone, but exciting. I like vertical then, bow shooting, you know, like that's kind of the way I like to hold the bow. So yeah, there, there's a lot of options too. And, and, you know, everybody finds their own way. And I still, you know, it's funny because, like, oh, well, why don't you just rifle hunt? And I, and I still do rifle hunt. Um, I always bow hunt way more than I rifle hunt. But um, actually with the injury, I wasn't able to, it was actually a lot easier to shoot the bow than to shoot a rifle. Um, I wasn't able to work the bolt. I wasn't able to hold the gun, right? Like um, there was a lot of things that I couldn't do and I felt like I couldn't safely handle a fire. Uh, so, you know, obviously like the bow is my best choice and I, I couldn't give up bow hunting as well. So. Um, I did that and I tried a lot of iterations of possible options. Um, there was a few, like I tried like an elbow strap, um, and just with, I had, uh, multiple casts and slings and other things on and that it was hard is actually, uh, the, with the injury and missing a lot of the tendons and other things, I couldn't get the elbow strap to work for me. Maybe it works with other people. If you broke a bone, I think that that would be a good way to do it. Um, if you tore a shoulder, you wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, but I did, I did try other things and the fastest, most efficient and fairly accurate way for me to shoot was with the mouth tab. I tried a lot of different things and that was the one that I settled on as, as being the best for my style of hunting. Gotcha. And where did you sound? Cause, cause I hear a mouth tab and I'm like, you know, same thing. You, I, I'm not tearing the the teeth out of my mouth where did you end up when you were hunting what weight were you pulling right around 65 pounds dang okay yeah and you know i mean i i now realize That's... i could pull more you know the thing about it is you're you're using your molars so it's not like it's not catching on your front teeth or anything you're lining it up with your molars here and you, i actually you know, have the bite marks in my tab and I've got the way it's folded, the corner fits in the corner of my mouth. So my anchor points the same every time. Um, and so you can actually, once you kind of figure out the mechanics, it's just like anything else. You, you build it up pretty quick. The, the scariest thing though, when I first started was you get drawn back and you're like, wow, great. And then you realize, how do I let down? Right? Because when you let down, if you don't let that arrow go, that arrow is oh, no. the is coming right back at your teeth with whatever weight you're pushing forward. So the, the tactic that Nolan showed me is like you, you move your neck forward and in at the same time. First time you do that, that is a scary experience. That's the one that, you know, you, drawing back isn't the scary part. It's, it's actually letting down if you don't have a shot. Oh. So um, building the skills for that, you know, you can probably draw back more than you can let down, I would say. Um, but, you know, over time you, you figure it out and it's actually... Yeah. You wouldn't even think like, about that. 
yeah, that's the thing people don't think about. It's like, okay, let it, you know, letting down with your hand can be hard enough and you got to get it over that valley or whatever, depending on the kind of bow you're shooting and how it's set up. Um, and yeah, you've got a knock that's coming right back to your teeth, uh, or lip or whatever. And, or he's just, it's a, it's a different, interesting experience the first time you, you learn to do that. Were there any bad mess ups with the, with the mouth tab? Um, you know, there was, uh, I wouldn't say bad mess ups. I did have one time the D loop broke. Um, somehow the, the tab had actually cut the D loop and, um, midway at the peak weight of the draw, it, it snapped. I mean, I was pointing it at the target and it actually went, you know, I was able to find the arrow and everything, but that kind of shock of oh yeah, full strength pulling back with your neck. And then I actually caught it on video. It was funny. I was slow motion filming and it just so happened to be the one time I did that, the D loop broke. Uh, I, it was kind of funny. I had to laugh afterwards. <laughs> Everyone, my friends are like, how's uh mouth tab shooting going? I'm like, here, check out this video, you know, look like I got punched in the face, but no harm, no foul. And then, um, you know, there was a couple times where I was at full draw and you, you just, you think you're biting hard enough, but uh, it just like time ran out and the, the tab slipped um, or, or whatever. There was one time where I was, Early on, I was actually in Hawaii hunting feral goats, and I tried to stop a goat by going like, eh, like trying to make a grunt <laughs> noise or something. And I didn't, it just was like, didn't think about it. Wham, arrow goes off. And it was like six feet over its back into the never nevers. And I'm like, well, that didn't work. You know, I just chalk that one up to experience and uh, on to the next one here. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I- and you don't think about a, a knock on an arrow being dangerous until you pulled one out of a target and stuck it in your leg. So yeah, I can't even imagine having one coming right back to your face like that. No, I know. And that's the first thing you think about is all those times where you've been, you got stuck or you're at a 3D thing and a guy pulls one and stabs you with it. And you're like, man, these the back end of the arrow is probably more dangerous than the front end. Yeah. You aren't paying attention, you know? <laughs> that's crazy wow so so now is, is the hand good now moving forward are you are you going to be a release shooter or are you just going to stick with the mouth tab because it's you know no you know I, i'm going to go back i've got uh you know just a up a bowen i've just got like a strap index release um i've got the strength i don't have the mobility like i've got the strength in the wrist i couldn't hold like a you know, a handheld release yet. Um, I just don't have the strength in the hand, but um, I'm able to pull back. Like the wrist is stout enough to pull back. I've got a 65 pound bow right now and I've been shooting it and it's been going really well. Is a mouth tab something you'd ever use again or not unless you're forced to? Oh, I mean, I don't know. Recreationally, I think I'll I'll probably keep it in the bag of tricks, though. You know, I think I'll I'll probably continue to shoot it, um, or at least have a bow. You know, set an old, take an older bow and set it up for it, because you just never know, right? Like you don't know when you might have an injury or something. And it's something I never thought about beforehand. But and if you got an old bow lying around, it wouldn't be a bad thing to set up because if you get injured and you don't have the time to figure it out uh you kind of are you know 
you just you're you're eating a season or a tag or whatever. My brother this year um, drew one of the best antelope archery tags in the state, and a week before his season, damaged his shoulder playing hockey. So it's like, okay, well, I mean, he had to turn his tag back in, but if he had the you know had been doing it long enough to be comfortable with it, he probably could have just said, oh, cool. I'm going to switch over. It's hard. It's harder to draw the tag than anything. I'll take my chances because I've got the tag and I can do the hunt at least. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good backup plan. I don't know, you know, because how you just don't know when or if something else will happen. So it never hurts to kind of have that skill set. Um, I never thought of that beforehand, but now thinking about it, it definitely wouldn't hurt to kind of have that knowledge and continue to just stay fresh with it, I guess. Yeah. Or do you ever think about, you know, heading to the range and then when you get the kind of the loud mouth guy that's, you know, bragging, oh, you know, I'm a better shot than Remy Warren. And then you can just say, dude, you know what? I appreciate you and all, but I could literally outshoot you one handed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just make, make an expedition thing, you know, uh, exposition thing out of it, you know. <laughs> hey, we've got our, uh, Jason, yeah. we've got our 3D digital hunt at convention. We could do a, a promotion outshoot Remy with one hand and, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Maybe I'll bring it down to that. I gotta, I'll stay fresh on it and uh, keep shooting. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll have a prize, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's figure that out. Dylan, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some promo value there, yeah. especially yeah. since we're in his backyard. Yeah, exactly. So, Jason, you that, had a you had a sponsorship question you needed to ask Remy. I do. Hey, Remy, are, are you connected with Mountain Dew? No. <laughs> okay. All right. That's so one of these days, man. We this this is our number so, one sponsor opportunity. Diet Dew. If you're listening, we have one sponsorship opportunity left for you. Anyway, um, yeah, I did. Yeah, um, so, so that's uh, actually in the past. I did. Uh, I did some stuff for them for a nonprofit because they had an opportunity. They're donating a bunch of money. I don't know if they're still doing that to outdoor conservation groups, um, but I, I don't know if they're still doing that. So I did some stuff for them to get some money for uh, Nevada Bighorns Unlimited. Okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, gosh, if you show up at a, a deer camp or a duck camp, man, it's everywhere. Yeah. And so it, it, they'd be remiss not to, to want to facilitate that so um jason gives them more business than maybe anybody in america <laughs> i'll tell you what you know i don't do social media at all anymore because it's i just <laughs> just Remy, don't before you before much. you got on i, jason, I should i need to get I an instagram but <laughs> i said jason you do have instagram he said i do i'm like <laughs> yes <laughs> that's, he said wow i know it's terrible it's terrible, but back in the Facebook days, actually, I think the one photo that I posted, and it was from a hunting camp in Alberta, and we had like this entire wall of shotgun, like cases of shotgun ammo and cases of diet dew. And I think I said something like, uh, you know, if you have to decide between running out of ammo and dew, and we chose neither. And it was just this wall. And I think that got more likes than anything else I ever posted. So <laughs> at least I'm consistent. That's funny. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's up next on, uh, what's the next big challenge? You know, you, you conquered the mouth tab. <laughs> what's next? Well, uh, we're actually going to be having another baby here. So 
Um, we got a little, little another little one on the way that's uh, winter. So congratulations. Kind of the, that's the next challenge there, right? And then congratulations. Um, <clears throat> yeah, thank you. Uh, really excited for that. And it's been a lot of fun. As our you know, getting older, taking her out and doing that. It's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. Just looking forward to that more of that in the future. Yeah. That's uh, how exciting. What a, what a neat time. Yeah. And then yeah, uh, I'm just going to play the draw game and see what, uh, what luck comes my way this year. So I've got a lot of points, a lot of places I might, I say, I've been saying that for the last 23 years though. So <laughs> like, We'll see. I don't even know. I don't even know if some of these tags are, uh, are, are you even able to draw, but um, I keep putting my name in the hat. We'll see what happens. You know, that's the thing. And, and there's some people who started drawing 20 some years ago and all of a sudden the tag that they've always wanted isn't worth the 20 years they've been putting in for it. Cause yeah. things change. You know? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And then I've got, I've got one tag that I've been putting in for, for a long time. I've got, I think 23 points and I've had two friends draw it with uh, less than three points. <laughs> You're like, Oh, okay. oh man. <laughs> I was like, at least I know people that are getting it right. It, uh, it's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got a, a buddy of mine I went to college with, I think who what he, he drew, a sheep or yeah what he drew a sheep tag in Oregon his cousin drew one somebody else drew one and it's like they've had such good luck that I've thought about driving the four hours to the middle of the state just to put in at the same location where they put in there yeah just in case that has anything to do with it because otherwise you know some of those the, the odds are so crazy you don't ever expect it to draw them yeah. and then to know people that have have known several people in a row that have gotten them it's pretty pretty intense oh yeah if you had to pick one pick one tag in the country what would it be Ooh, right now i mean like, that's a very hard question i don't know I, I really like sheep tags i'd probably pick a nevada desert sheep tag um okay. but i don't know i think uh the Arizona strip mule deer tag would be one of those tags. It'd be kind of a incredible hunt, you know, it's just, just to be, you know, hunt that area. And then I don't know, I'd like to have an elk tag in Utah at some point in my life, um, or a, you know, limited entry elk tag in Utah at some point. Uh, I think between those three, it, it wouldn't really matter. <laughs> you know, they're all, yeah. they're all about the best thing. A Missouri breaks tag for sheep would be good, but I don't even put in for it. I put it in for somewhere else. So, um, you know, you can't draw what you don't put in for as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. So that's, um, now, so if you had to, if you had to pick one with sheep hunting, would that be your main thing? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I just, I just enjoy chasing sheep and it's such kind of a rare opportunity, right? Like you don't get the tags that often. Um, it's just, it's, it's a fun hunt. Uh, you know, it's not something you get to do all the time. So when that tag does come around, it's really special. Um, so of everything you've hunted, you know, with, with obviously mallards being the most dangerous game, what, what would you consider the <laughs> second most dangerous game? Yeah, I would say mallards is at the top of the list. Like they have, they've done more damage to me than anything else. Uh, and then I would say uh, after a mallard, 
would probably be uh, a grizzly slash brown bear, you know. But outside of that, um, you know, I think that just sometimes the terrain and maybe mountain goat hunting can be pretty dangerous as well. Um, you know, I'd probably get more if I was like uh, sketched out about a situation. It's always been in the mountains chasing cheaper goats. Um, you know, the bears don't really bother me much. Uh, so it, as long as it's not a falling mallard or falling off a cliff, uh, you're pretty safe, I think. Okay. All right. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've heard a lot of horror stories about trying to catch birds like that, where those wing bones that come down and they're like a giant hypodermic needle. I've heard, I've had buddies that got hit with those, um, buddy of mine in Canada, he's got stitches on his head. Um, from where a goose came down and hit his barrel and it bounced it back into his head. So yeah, it's, uh, sometimes a little underrated on this, on the terror specter. Yeah. <laughs> it's dangerous out there. Watch the skies. Boy. Yeah. That's, um, well, I'll tell you what, we are, we're really excited to come see you and be back in Reno. I know last time, you know, we we're, we we're ready to go during the whole COVID mess and then we had to kick it kick it into july which is not a great time you know for conventions but it it turned out really good for us and we were excited to be there and a lot of people came out in force but i'll tell you what um the folks that that made it last time are coming back and a lot of folks that didn't make it last time are coming so we're expecting a complete sellout um in april we're we're really excited to get back there Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this, because um, I know one of the things that we're in full tilt boogie on right now is getting getting the animals, the panel invites out to animals. And having been, this will be my third panel, I guess, um, that I'll get to attend. I'm not an official measure. I just get to, to show up and, and thank everybody for doing what they do. Um do I'll guess since I've never had anything invited, nor have I had anything even remotely close to being invited to panel, like, does it, does that sink in like the level of trophy that you have to get to get invited to a Pope and young panel like that? Oh yeah, for sure. I think, you know, you're like, Oh, that's a pretty cool experience. Cause there's a lot of people out there bow hunting and, you know, and, and I know, you know, I, I've been out there enough to know that those opportunities don't come very often. Right. Um, like just, uh, I mean, even to, to take something of a certain caliber, uh, I shot my biggest bull elk, uh, I guess it was last year. And, um, you know, I've spent thousands of days hunting elk, whether it's guiding or hunting, you know what I mean? In pretty much general units and whether you're in a general unit or trophy unit, the, the opportunity for an animal of a certain size, to present a shot and then make good on that shot and everything work out. It's, it's a, it's a very, very low percentage. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that for me, when I do take an animal like that, I, I think it's, it's cool to be able to, to kind of like, you know, enter it in the book and, and just kind of like in many ways, uh, just give it extra respect to that animal. That's, that's definitely dodged a lot of hunters and, and been very elusive throughout its life to, to be able to take it with a bow is a pretty cool experience. So, 
um, it's pretty cool to, to be able to get that invite to bring something to get panel scored. Uh, I didn't you absolutely know, submit it and you don't even think about it. But then somebody's like, Oh yeah, bring it in. And I was like, Oh really? Wow. That's pretty crazy. Like that's, that's a, that's an honor for not, I mean, not necessarily me, but also just for the animal that um, this represented in that. Absolutely. It's, it's pretty impressive to see some of those. I mean, you walk around and, and it, on one hand, it's just amazing to see the trophies. And last time going through the hall in Reno, it's just like, here's monster after monster after monster. And we've got even more committed to come in this year than we had last year. And so um, I, it's just, I mean, it's so neat to see. And, but, but boy, you almost get a little bit, uh, I, I, I don't know what the correct term is when all of a sudden, I, I, like you just are around monsters all the time. To where it's just like, holy smokes. Yeah, so. I, I like cruising through the, you know, some of the mule deer and stuff. And you're like, wow, these are some really incredible animals, you know, but it kind of it keeps the dream alive too, right? Because, you know, some of those are ones that people have been chasing for years or put in a lot of time. And some of them are ones that, somebody just happened upon, you know, there's, there's been times where I've chased certain elk and hasn't worked out. And my biggest bull was one that I just cold called in, in the forest in an area that doesn't generally produce big bulls like that. And you just never know. Right. So it kind of keeps that. Yeah. Dream. You just don't know what's lurking out there unless you get out there and uh, hit the mountains with the bow in hand. Right. That's a fact. And it's so neat to hear those stories because you have, you know, some people that just had had no idea that a world record was anywhere near their hunting area. And then you have other guys that, that that's, they're chasing the, the true giants, you know, that, that if it doesn't have a shot at, at being a top 10, you know, they're, they're maybe going to keep looking. And for the rest of us, it's like, I, I you know, you imagine taking a top 10 is just, just incredible. And to look at one that you're like, ah, I don't know if that would be a top 10. I'm, I'm going to keep looking at it. Just that's, uh, that's a level of commitment that, that, uh, not a lot of folks have. Yeah, absolutely. Now I, I think I read something online was that big bull that you got. That was, was that at the, the tail end of a hunt? And you're just like, Hey, I just want a bull. And then all of a sudden this, this monster, yeah, I mean, Is it was uh, sort of. It was. I mean, I wasn't like we were filming, and we. Di I didn't really have like high expectations. A place that I uh, I guided nearby for a while, but um, uh, you know, I hadn't been there in years, and um, it was more like I wasn't being picky. It was an either sex tag. I I, I was still hunting bulls, and I my goal was like a nice six point. Um, sure. And and then I was joking though because we'd had, you know, when you have an opportunity and like just one thing goes wrong and you go, though, that was my opportunity for the week. Like you, you kind right. of go like, that's it. Like, man, I had that opportunity, but he just, he circled around us. We went up, he went down. It was too thick to shoot. He was right there. He saw one of the other guys with us and, and bolted. And it was just like highest high, lowest low. And, and then I was just joking around like, all right, I'm ready to shoot a spike. Then I just decided we're going to go to the like thickest, nastiest country possible, the hardest place to get to from here. We went there and just the plan was to just 
call it maybe for a betting bull and the plan worked right. And the bull that walked out was an absolute giant. So you just don't know, you know, had the bull that walked out been a, you know, a 200 inch five by five raghorn, I would have shot it. I wasn't like particularly looking for that big bull, but Hey, the opportunity happened and made good on it. Right. And there's other hunts where I've, you know, been big every bull I've seen and never killed a bull that big. So. Yeah. And see, I love the stories like that because it tells me that, hey, it can even happen for me. Yeah. Like, that's, exactly. you know, if you're like, oh, no, it's it's 380 or nothing. I'm like, OK, I'll, I'll never find myself in a position where I'm going to say, no, I think that bull's only 372. So I'm going to hold on. Um, but like the one where you're just out there and you're like, hey, if it's a, you know, a, a branch bull, I'm, I'm probably going to give it a go. And then all of a sudden you get a, a true monster. That's that's exciting to see. So let all, it, it, it really lets people know that, hey, man, it can happen for anybody. Oh, yeah. Now, you have to have the preparation. You have to have the talent. You have to be in the right spot at the right time. And you're never going to get that if you're sitting on the couch thinking about hunting. And I think that's, you know, once again, you make your own look a lot of the time. Yeah, for sure. So, well, <laughs> Remy, I'll tell you what, one thing in, uh, that we ask everybody on this show is whether you're chasing, chasing sheep on the mountain or, or elk anywhere you're chasing them, what is that one thing, kind of a non-traditional item you like to take with you on every hunt? Ooh, the... A non-traditional item that I like to take, like just not with your, uh, like just a creature comfort of some kind. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. You know, gosh darn. I, a mouth tab. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking mouth tab. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the mouth tab is pretty good. Um, lately I've been taking some kind of arm brace, which hasn't been, uh, but I wouldn't say it's my favorite thing to take, you know, when I'm packing yeah. Uh, it's a bad reminder um yeah i think uh you know what i've always got oh here's a good one i always have a pack of smoked oysters i don't know it's just one of my favorite things to eat on the mountain i've got one celebration can of smoked oysters <laughs> do you remember his answer from last time jason because i do that, I, was it I, trash I, bags yeah, and I started using a trash bag. Trash bags. Yeah, I was going to say trash bags, but I, I remembered that I said it last time. And I was like, yeah. I got it. But, you know, smoked oysters, that's mountain money right there. Like, nothing better than a good smoked oyster at the end of a successful hunt. <laughs> that's like, see, that's that's like, now you're talking like good old-fashioned Arkansas stuff. Oh, yeah. Hey, like, hey, now. Hey. Those, hey. those guys eat anything, man. That's <laughs> Uh, I went on my first duck hunt down there. I think I don't know what happened if they just like found we're finding this stuff in the bottom of their bag, but I mean it was like, oh, here's like Vienna sausages and mustard sauce, and here's I think they had smoked oysters and they had I don't know if there were sardines or herring. And I'm like, guys, do you eat these or do you put these on a hook for bait? Because we don't eat these where I'm from, but uh no, when yeah, you, know, you got to try it. The, so, the key is, though, you got to get smoked oysters in oil. You can't get them in anything else. Smoked oysters okay. in oil, a game changer. And if you're lucky, right. you got some crackers. Oh, yeah. That's nothing better. No, okay. I, took a, 
I took two black trash bags. I went hunting in Idaho uh, on an elk hunt this year and took two black trash bags, used them both uh, for different things. And I'm like, thank you, Remy. Like, yes. Oh, yeah. That is, the, that is the multi-tool of the backcountry hunters pack. I, I don't know. There's been times where I forget my trends, like forgetting your binoculars or your bow, man. You just, I've used them every single, pretty much every day for something. So good, yeah. good item to have. Yeah. Well, we like trash bags. Um, just, you know, I mean, no, ju- no judgment or anything, but I don't think canned oysters are going to knock bacon off of the food list. Because <laughs> I think, you know, canned oysters, if you're looking at Uncrustables or bacon, it's a really, really distant third. Dylan, would you agree? A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, okay. Smoke oysters right. are the bacon of the sea, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> No, you're not getting me on that one. <laughs> the bacon of the sea. It's got a lot no. of energy. Yeah. It's good stuff. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and then you can add that oil to your oatmeal. Yeah. All right. Done. Well, you know really what? <laughs> Jason, I'm also wondering why we haven't put bacon, like wrapped up, wrapped an uncrustable in bacon yet, though. Like, there you go. You know what? We need to have, Dylan, let's set this up a convention. We table. need to have a, we need to do a breakout just on backcountry snacks. We need to have an Uncrustable and table, Uncrustable station, Uncrustable we do. bar, if you will. Yes. And maybe, we'll, you know what, let's do this. Let's have bacon, Uncrustables, and oysters. And we'll see what's left. Let's smoke canned <laughs> oysters. And let's just see. We'll do a taste test and just say, hey, if you had to choose one of these three for backcountry hunting, you know, which would it be? But Remy's going to come clear out the oysters, take them all back. See, oh, look, yeah, I told they're you they're gone, all gone. Buddy. I told you. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll have to do that. We'll, we'll set something up in Reno. But, well, Remy, hey, man, congratulations on, on another great season and overcoming a lot of obstacles. I know you're you're out there motivating and inspiring people and uh it's always great to see see the success that you have along with that so congratulations man yeah thanks i really appreciate that so we'll uh if i don't see him at at one of the shows we'll definitely see you in reno in april we're excited about it we're literally working on that thing every single day from now till then so it's gonna be amazing and I uh, can't wait to see you there. So thank you for for taking some time with us today. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for everything. We'll see you guys. Yeah, we'll talk. yeah sure will. Take All care. Right. Have a good one. See you guys.